going, everybody? We welcome you to episode 91. We're counting down to 100 here. We're getting close on Hawaii football now. Jordan Helly Hunter Hughes back with you, as always, for the 91st straight week. Uh, we are we're looking forward to episode 100. It, it's uh, it's a lot closer we than I think I realize. Week, Jordan, we haven't missed a week. We haven't missed a week yet. Knock on wood. We're 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 going for 100. Knock on wood. Crazy. Um, and we're uh, we're we're getting closer to the goal. Um, hopefully they uh, hopefully we're uh, we're in good health until then, and hopefully uh, they don't cancel us before then. Um, so far so good. Uh, we record this Wednesday morning at about 6:45 a.m. Uh, Wednesday, May 24th, set to release this. Our usual time on Thursday, May 25th. That'll be tomorrow. Uh, big thanks to Spectrum Mobile and Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union as well. All right, it's official. Um, Craig Angelis has been named the next AD at the University of Hawaii. We will spend the bulk of today's episode kind of talking about that. Uh, we talked a bit about him last week, but we'll kind of get into the machinations of how we ended up with Angelis as the next AD and uh, what we can look forward to uh, once he takes over. Uh, basically in a week and a half, June 5th, um, he will start uh, on the job. That'll be the Monday after David Matlin's last day on Friday, June 2nd. But a quick opening drive here. Um, and before we get to the football, I know Hunter was locked in the PGA Championship this weekend. Yeah. Um, Hunter, I just wanted to I just wanted to get your thoughts on my guy, Michael Block. And uh, if you were motivated at all to become like a PGA professional and one day also uh, finish in the top 15 of a major. What a story. Unreal. Um, for those that are like, what's the deal with this, you know, old guy, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't really understand. This is a, this is a big deal. Um, my brother is a, a PGA professional teaches out of uh, Forest Ridge golf course in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, basically the, the difference between a golf pro and a pro golfer is you give golf lessons, you work golf course, you work in the industry, you help people get better at the game, and you're basically committing your life to the game of golf. Um, and the PGA Championship um, is uh, sponsored by the PGA of America. So they have a qualifying tournament every year for PGA professionals out there, just like my brother, this guy, Michael Block, um, this guy, he qualified, played well enough to get into the tournament, and then shites out, play, placed in the top 15, um, which also qualified him for next year. But that's only the tip of the iceberg for the week that this guy had. I mean, he went out, uh, played with Rory in the final round. Um, it was an extremely difficult golf course at Oak Hill up in, um, up in New York. And golfers were throwing their clubs complaining about the the conditions and this guy was just steady eddie through the whole deal i mean jordan the rough was like six inches high um the dude finished it i believe he finished it even par um which is an amazing feat but then wound up making a hole in one in the uh in the final round as well and, and so it's really just a story of a normal dude going up against the best in the world and uh man it it, it you can't help but feel a little bit of like uh hope and uh and and generate some uh some inspiration from a guy like this i mean it's it's quite a story it really is and uh i think uh gives uh gives the, the ordinary guys a bit of hope uh pretty cool uh throughout the weekend and uh, i didn't realize your brother was uh was a um uh pro uh that's pretty cool stuff uh yeah the golf game man in the in the Hughes family 
through Very and through. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I know I, I was locked into that over the weekend. That was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, speaking of a lot of fun on the golf course, you got to imagine that uh, our guy Angelus uh, got to get the clubs over because he's going to have to play some golf uh, and uh, start uh, start fundraising, man. Get to uh, get to the fundraising, get to building those relationships. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that once we get into the game time. But before then, we got to remind you that Hawaii Football Now is brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union. As Hawaii's largest credit union, they are committed to serving individuals and businesses through its 14 branch locations statewide and convenient digital banking services. As a leader in providing support for the islands, Hawaii USA is committed to strengthening Hawaii's financial wellness and sharing successes with members, local businesses, and the greater community. Visit HawaiiUSAFCU.com. All right, game time here on episode 91. As we mentioned, tis official. Craig Angelus will be the next athletics director at the University of Hawaii. This following approval by the Board of Regents by an 8-2 to two vote last week, Thursday. Uh, if you were uh, with us during uh, episode 90, we talked at length about him. Uh, and we're still awaiting the Board of Regents meeting. Um, and we're ready to go in case anything weird happened. Thankfully, nothing did. Uh, and so uh, kind of as we expected, again, it was an eight to two vote with one abstention amongst the 11 board members there um, at last week, Thursday's meeting. <laughs> uh, we didn't really get any official word on other applicants throughout the process. Uh, we outlined the process a little bit last week, uh, basically five to eight names uh, were forwarded on from the selection committee on to David Lassner, the president, who then forwarded on about three to five names to the board, uh, or excuse me, forwarded it on to David Lassner, about three to five names, uh, of which he chose the one um, and was able to recommend Craig Angelis for that position. Uh, and so Mr. Angelis comes in, uh, was ready to go press conference last week, Thursday as well. I think he said a lot of the right things. Uh, I think things that uh, people wanted to hear for those who were obviously interested in a guy coming in from the outside with no real tangible ties to the University of Hawaii outside of maybe a few baseball games uh, that he played here when he was uh, a starter on the BYU baseball team. Um, and uh, I thought uh, he had a nice, funny little quip about that in his press conference, not realizing some of the stats uh, that he put up, uh, but had been dug up maybe by some in the local media. Um, and so he kind of, you know, put a little bit of an outline. Uh, obviously, it's a lot of general speak at this point, uh, which I don't think is unexpected because he's still got to get on the ground, kind of get his hands into the the mud, if you will, and, and figure exactly how he wants to take this program forward. Uh, but he spoke a lot about, you know, where Hawaii sits kind of in the pecking order of of college athletics, talked a lot about, you know, the, the, the necessary things needed to be successful, whether that's fundraising, whether that's navigating the portal and NIL, uh, whether that's facilities, um, you know, coaching, retainment and recruitment, um, kind of all of the above, the big check marks, some of the things we talked about last week, but uh what have been your impressions so far, Hunter, uh, of, of you know, AD and waiting, Craig Angelis, uh, via some of the, the stories out there, his press conference, he's given a couple of other interviews as well. Um, one of the funniest things I've ever seen, Jordan, was uh, on college game day a few years ago when a fan held up a sign that said, Tim Tebow hit 132 in double A. Um, they will expose you. 
if game, day, uh, game day signs are the best oh man if uh if you're a public figure which this guy obviously is and your stats are out there they will find them <laughs> um so i i love the fact that they dug up his uh his college batting average from byu and asked him about it that is that's too much fun for me um but uh yeah get kind of getting back to it he he at least did what he was supposed to do in my mind uh he came right out and answered the looming question in i think a lot of people's mind which was hey you're not from here are you going to be able to understand kind of what we go through out here um the the changing landscape that Hawaii sports um is on is uh continuing to be on for the foreseeable future and he kind of um just put those uh, those questions away with saying hey I I'm not from here um can't pretend like I'm from here but uh one thing I do have is a posture to learn a posture to get to know people and uh I want to fully integrate me and my family and we want to make this place our home which Jordan that's that's what you want to hear from anybody. Um, I, I think we, um, on the media side, maybe um, fans of Hawaii football can be a little bit quick to uh, to judge somebody, um, especially after everything that went down with uh, the Todd Graham era. But uh, not everybody from the mainland is like that. Um, I'd like to throw my name in there. I'm, I'm from the mainland. And um, as long as you come forward with a, a a humble heart and one that's wanting to learn and and grow um and adapt and be a part of this community i everybody that i talk to that has deep white ties says that's that's what makes you local so um to, to me that, that that was everything that was everything that i wanted to hear to kind of settle that down in my mind on What's this BYU boy coming in here and going to take over our program? Is he the right fit for this job? Well, he at least sounded humble. Um, the other thing I took from that interview was kind of his honesty and his rawness. Um, previous uh, athletic directors, it's, they just seemed so regimented and polished in their answering of questions. And there wasn't always a humanity that I could feel from them um even in some very difficult situations uh thinking back to the Todd Graham uh fiasco um upper management at University of Hawaii seemed very um calculated and rehearsed and didn't always feel like they saw or understood kind of what was going on from a um just an emotional standpoint. So that all coming from Craig Angelis and his uh, his sparkling um, resume as an athletic director, I'm I'm kind of excited to see what can happen here. Yeah, you don't uh, you know all of us, right? You don't know what you don't know, and so you gotta you gotta yeah. be willing to learn. You gotta be willing to to kind of understand and be self reflective enough to to know what you don't know, right? And and I think he's talked a bit about that and, and learning and coming in. And um, there was a, a really good Q&A um, put together by uh, our good friend Brian McKinnis over at Spectrum News. You can go check that out on their platforms. Um, and we'll pull a little bit from that as well. Um, you know, in, in talking about just just finding his way through acclimating a little bit and, and, and learning and obviously taking uh, some of the 
the experiences that he's had at different stops. Uh, I thought a really good question from from Brian to him. You know, he's he's been at a number of places, like seven different spots where he's been at least the number two guy. Um, and asked him, you know, are, are any of those stops kind of similar to Hawaii? And he re- he said, honestly, not really, um, mm-hmm. because of you know um, Hawaii's kind of unique makeup. Part of it also being um, its prominence within the Hawaii market. It's the biggest show in town, right? And and he compared it even to the University of Miami when he was there, mm-hmm. and saying like even when he was there, they weren't necessarily you know the top dog in town when you're talking about Florida, Florida State, all the alums that they have, even when you juxtapose that with the professional scene, right? Uh, but uh, in Hawaii, like, it's it's front and center, um, no doubt about it. And that was kind of interesting. And then kind of to your point, <clears throat> you know, coming in, learning. Interestingly, he talked about um, he's not bringing anybody with him. He, he's not bringing any support staff with him. He's not bringing folks from from his previous stop, whether it be Long Island or, or prior stops. Um, in addition, uh, he plans on keeping everybody in place, Uh at, at the University of Hawaii, associate ADs, uh, support staff. Uh, he plans on using the built-in personal, personnel infrastructure already there. Uh, and I thought that was kind of interesting, right? Because I think as a, a person coming from the outside, it might be a little more comfortable coming in. He said, you know, you can, you can, there are three approaches uh, is what he told Brian. And, and that was, you know, come in, clean house, bring all your guys in, uh, come in, don't clean house, but maybe bring in like a deputy to oversee the existing uh, staff, or you just come by yourself and uh, trust trust the folks that work there. And he said, you know, they've they've done a good job, um, and and he's confident that they'll uh, be able to to help him along in the same way that they helped David Matlin along. Uh, and I thought that was kind of an interesting approach, right? And and a bit of a um, a bit of a humble approach. And you, you got to kind of put yourself out there, right? If if you're going to walk into some place where where everybody's already there, um, and you're you're the new guy, very much the new guy, and and you're kind of on your own. In that sense, not saying that he will be out on an island or anything like that, because uh, I think there are very, very many capable people working within that building and with, within those offices. But uh, I thought that was kind of an interesting approach for him, um, you know, and and um, trying to go about this by uh, by him fitting in as opposed to, you know, maybe the other way around and trying to trying to mold the place you're going to to fit you. At least that's that's the appearance that I get. Yeah. And. and- I think that fits with this situation. Uh, Matlin isn't being fired. He's retiring. Um, and outside of, you know, a couple of decisions these last few years, uh, it's been pretty much smooth sailing. Uh, a few national championships with our volleyball team, um, some some conference championships from women's basketball, Um Wahine Volleyball continues to do their thing. Um, we just hired a new baseball coach. Uh, you know, it seems that uh, the, the the football fiasco has kind of been righted, at least uh, for the time being. So it seems, you know, put facilities and the, the whole ongoing situation with the new Aloha Stadium, put that all on the side it's kind of smooth sailing right now. I don't know if it's necessary to quite come in and clean house. So um, not only do I, I'm not sure if we have the budget to come in and completely clean house. Good point. You know what I mean? Um, But also I just, I just don't see that that's necessary. So I, I completely agree at least 
with him on that decision right now to come in, learn, get to know. Because, um, man, University of Hawaii administration, there's people that have been there a long time. So I'm sure he's going to have the ability to learn from a bunch of people. And, uh, um, you know, the, the one thing, Jordan, I'd love to get your uh, your insight on is I, I would have loved to see who some of the other finalists were. And if those finalists were from uh, um, were from in-house, because um, th that was kind of the mysterious part of how they conducted this whole thing was they didn't let us know. They didn't tell us um, not only who was recommended to um, Lassner and then Lassner to the Board of Regents. Um, not only did we not know who, we also didn't know how many. So um, the kind of shrouded and mystery part of this was a little confusing for me honestly yeah I, I i'm with you i think i misspoke a little bit earlier on the process uh but it was basically you know the the search committee took um took in all the applications apparently reportedly over 60 applications this according to the university of hawaii eight to ten of those applicants were brought in for interviews with the search committee a search advisory committee and then of those eight to ten three to five were forwarded on to david lasner and then of course the one ultimately Craig Angelus was then passed on to the board of regents recommended for approval. Ultimately he was, and it's kind of, interesting. I think what you've heard from a lot of people is a little bit of surprise that it was somebody from Craig Angelus's ilk right outside. I, I don't know if anybody was necessarily upset about that, or at least not, not a ton of people just because of his makeup. I think a lot of the frustration had to do with the process yeah. Uh, in a lot of ways. Right. And 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 that's not Craig Angelus's fault. I want to be very clear on that. Like it, he didn't come up with the process. He just applied. <laughs> right. And ultimately made it to the end of the road. Um, and so I think that's where I've been a lot of the, the frustration. In fact, I think, you know, you've heard from folks that have voiced frustration with the process in the same breath say, hey, look, but we're also supportive of, of Angelus moving forward. Like, like that's that's those are two different conversations, I think. And And for the most part, it's been I think, you know, majority of folks are are willing to give this guy a chance and, and willing to give Craig Angelus, um, you know, the support that that he will need to to give him the best opportunity to move forward. But but yeah, you know, Dave Reardon had a um, an article in the Star Advertiser. I think it was today, maybe yesterday. Uh, read it online, but talking about, you know, there there are certain privacy issues and 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 things of that nature. And, and apparently, you know, on top of the legal constraints, they didn't want to necessarily reveal the names of some of the other finalists because, they, you know, they they obviously a lot of these people have current jobs and they didn't want to, you know, have them in an awkward position of their employers um, asking them why you're applying for other jobs and stuff like that, which that I kind of get. Uh, but then he also brought up, uh, according, this is according to Dave Reardon, I, I'm not familiar with the process at all, but apparently the last time the head of the nursing school was was up or the, the the head nursing school position was up uh they brought like all four of the finalists to campus had them go through interviews and and things like that um and so I, apparently the four finalists were known in that situation and i get it it's not apples to apples but it's still a you know a, a stated position it's still a a government employment position um and so i i would have liked to see um that take place uh and i get that this process is different than any other AD hiring process because of the restructuring of um, the administrative makeup of the University of Hawaii, right? Where there used to be a chancellor that kind of handled things and then forwarded that on, forwarded that on to the president. 
uh, who made the decision and then it was just the Board of Regents approving salary or not, uh, um, or is now that the, the chancellor's kind of been eliminated and now the president gets it from a search advisory committee and the search advisory committee was their own doing, right? That was yeah. sort of um, their prerogative. That's not necessarily built in to the uh, the written structure of things. Um, but I, I would have liked to see an opportunity for, you know, the three to five uh, finalists to be brought before the Board of Regents and kind of go through a little Q&A. Um, that would have, and I get it, that's not how these things always work. And, and that's maybe an ideal world. But I think a lot of people would have would have appreciated that, right? And I don't know, maybe that discourages applicants from applying, right? Because are you going to want to go in front of a board, answer questions, put yourself out there, make it known to the world that you maybe want to leave your your current job with no guarantee that uh, you're going to be selected, right? Um, but it would have been kind of nice to know. Uh, and it would have been kind of nice to see, you know, um, again, I, I think Craig Angelis has answered a lot of the questions well, I think he's done a really nice job of answering those questions. Um, but for for those on the outside, that, that came after he got the position, right? And again, this has nothing to do with him individually. It's kind of just the no. process. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would have I would have liked to see it. Would have been would have been nice to know um, exactly, uh, you know, who was there kind of at the end, um, and having those folks, uh, you know, may, maybe go before the board of regents or whatever it is, something along those lines, right? Um, but, uh, that, that I think has been the, and even in talking to people, you, you've seen it on social media and whatnot, but even just talking to people in passing, uh, I think that that was one of the main concerns was just, just how the process kind of played out and maybe it'll be different the next time around. Yeah. Um, my, my thing was, okay. I get that you're wanting to protect people from their, their current jobs or whatever, if you're an employer and you get upset with an employee for applying for the athletic director position, find something else to get about. Honestly, I mean, that that's like a dream job right there um, that doesn't keep them from continuing to do their current job. So I, I don't know. I, I think that's kind of a cop out to me, Jordan, whenever they, they said that, um, although, you know, it's a, it's a it's a state job. So there, there's certain state requirements that they have to kind of fall suit with and um, all of that. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing that came out, Jordan, was one of the Board of Regents didn't even vote. Didn't even cast a vote. Um, that to me is unacceptable. Whenever that came out, I'm like, are you just there for the free lunch? I mean, come on. You're one of the last voices to... Um, let your um you know kind of decision be made here and whether it's one way or another to not even vote is to me kind of disrespectful of the process um this process that's kind of unique in the fact that it goes from a very democratic um uh structure in the uh the search committee they they come up with a few recommendations to david lastner he picks one from that final list then it goes to another democratic process with the board of regents and then they ultimately vote and make a decision for someone on that final leg of the decision making process to not even vote um i'm not a fan of that um i, I i'm not a big fan of um just 
hanging out and and not uh if you're a decision maker be a decision maker so um to me that 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 part was a little bit frustrating again nothing about craig angelis but of the process that maybe if we come around to this in the next 10 years or so we rethink how we do some of this yeah and and i i guess i could say that um you know in an ideal world things have gone swimmingly and craig angelis is the athletics director for a number of years uh, and they won't have to go through this process anytime soon. But, uh, you know, <clears throat> at some point it'll happen, right? And, uh, you know, odds are maybe maybe David Laster's not the president at that point, you know. Mm. <laughs> uh, he, he's uh, he's enjoying retirement. Um, and, and so this is always an ongoing process. Um, you know, I think um, whether it was how the position, position description was written, how the uh, the process played out as well, um, I think there there's room for improvement and room to to kind of go um, even more outside the box. Uh, you could argue that that Craig Angelus is a little bit outside the box as somebody who, you know, doesn't necessarily have a tie to the program. <clears throat> One of the questions that uh, Brian McInnes asked him was uh, his philosophy for football scheduling, uh, and and I just kind of wanted to read the direct quote from the Spectrum News article here because uh, it's it's a bit of a paragraph, but uh, you know I think from a from a Hawaii football now standpoint, uh, obviously we're, we're most interested in how this affects the football program going forward. Uh, while fully acknowledging a lot of those things are interconnected with the football and uh, football program and the rest of the athletics department. But he said, uh, quote, this is Greg Angelis's response. Uh, you want to do home and homes with power five, if you can, because that really helps draw the crowd at home. You may want to do, or excuse me, you may have to do a guaranteed game to get money, but you also need wins. You need to hit your six, or in UHSK, seven wins. The key, I think, for the success and perception of the program is to be bowl eligible every year. You want to be competitive in your conference and then try to schedule your non-conference games accordingly. If things go according to plan, you want to be at least three and two and not three and two in your non-conference. Then you go 500 in your conference games. You'll be at seven and six. That's a pretty good place to be in the baseline every year. Um, and I think that's a pretty pragmatic approach. Uh, that was the end of the quote there. Uh, I think that's a, a pretty pragmatic approach. Um, I think that's kind of what we've seen for the most part, uh, you know, over recent years where you've got a couple of the marquee games on the schedule, right? Uh, this year, obviously, it's a trip to SEC country. Um, you, you've got the the Oregon game as well, but then you've also got some, some winnable non-conference games in there, whether they're, you know, FCS opponents, whether they're New Mexico State, even though New Mexico State, I think, is no longer a guaranteed win on the schedule. Jerry Kill's doing a great Ooh. job there. Uh, as we saw last year, um, the Aggies are, are uh, by them. They're uh, they're uh, yeah they're uh, they're on the rise. Uh, but I think it makes a lot of sense, and I, I I do think look the the baseline. You want to be fighting for bowl eligibility every year. Um, you've got to bring in some of the big the big power conferences. It's getting harder and harder to do it with the way that things are going. Uh, and so getting home games from some of those schools becomes harder and harder. Right off, and it's now. It's home and home kind of, right? Uh, if you get a power five team to come play here, it's rarely just a one for one. It's like, all right, we'll play one game in Hawaii, but you got to come play like two or three games um, in our home stadium, right? It, it's 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 getting increasingly harder to do it. Um, it does provide a financial windfall. We get that. Uh, but I, I just thought it was kind of interesting. And, and I think, you know, it's like he, he could easily come in there and say, hey, look, we're going to go out there. We're going to schedule the best in the country. We want to be competing. We want to be top 25 program every single year. Um, well, you know, that's that's a great goal to get to. 
um that's that's where we would love to be right competing for conference championships being in the top 25 conversation like we have been at different points throughout the history of the program not routinely by any stretch of the imagination but uh but he was a little more i think uh realistic when it comes to it's like hey look 500 in conference winning record in non-conference that'll get you to bowl games uh and that's a good place to be every year and then kind of you know have you have your baseline to build off of. I, I thought it was an interesting answer. Yeah, I, I appreciate it when people look at it uh, almost strategically, where if you break down different po- points of our of our schedule, that um, that you can kind of um, I don't know evaluate off of those metrics because Hawaii always has that initial uh, um, kind of far fetched point of our schedule whenever we're playing the Michigans we're playing the Vanderbilt the Stanford's uh where we need that from a strategic standpoint uh to to earn some some revenue uh, whenever we go and play those schools uh from the power five um and then you've got those n1 double a's or um independent schools like the New Mexico's and uh then we get into the heart of conference and so I appreciate um, whenever someone in uh, upper management or, you know, the administrative level kind of looks at it from um, that, that perspective, it shows that they're in touch. It shows that they get kind of uh, what our schedule or what the certain challenges look like for us. And from there, um, they can kind of make decisions uh, w- with coaching and hiring uh, accordingly. So to me, that that just that's the kind of language that I like to hear from an AD. Where okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. It's not just another bureaucrat coming in here uh, who can, you know, interview well and is uh, good at holding all these different positions in the college uh, athletics world. But this guy knows what he's talking about and at least right now is focused on winning. So uh, to me, that's, that's really important as a, as an alumni and, and a fan of UH. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And and to be fair, uh, a lot of the future schedule is, you know, kind of set for him. A lot of those agreements and contracts being signed, right. Obviously next several years are, are mostly filled out. We mentioned, you know, Albany, Oregon this year, um, you got Stanford on the schedule as well with Albany. Uh, excuse me, with uh, with Vandy and New Mexico State. Next year, four opponents already scheduled. Oregon, UCLA, at Sam Houston, Northern Iowa. Uh, kind of following that, you know, uh, blueprint, if you was, as Sam Houston makes the jump up to FBS, and then 2025 Stanford at Arizona, Sam Houston, and Portland State. So there, there are some uh, some FCS schools that are routinely in there. Uh, and then for 2026 on, only uh, uh, three, three games uh, scheduled at max. So uh, that's, I think, what we'll start to see. Some of the Craig Angelus effects uh, starting to, to schedule um, from 2026 on. But obviously, there's an opportunity to add a fifth non-conference game um, likely next season and the season after that as well uh, to get to the five non-conference plus the eight conference games as Hawaii has allotted those 13 games throughout the season. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Right. That, that'll be a big part of of his uh, his task as an athletic director is handling a lot of the scheduling. Uh, for the football program and, and hopefully can get a lot of people uh, you know into the seats there at Ching uh, speaking of Ching we'll uh, we'll kind of get into a little bit of the the updates there 
Um, not a whole lot to report, but uh, there is some visual um, uh, progress being made down there on lower campus. So we'll take a quick break, come back uh, with the second half after a little halftime pause. You're listening to episode 91 here on Hawaii Football Now. This is Hawaii Football Now from ESPN Honolulu. All right, second half time on Hawaii Football Now, episode 91. Jordan Hunter back with you. We got our guy Jonathan on the controls as well. All right, uh, the Ching renovation starting to take shape. Um, corner bleachers are coming in on the other side. They're they're building the uh, the the frame. The frame. Yeah, I guess that's exactly what it is. I, I'm glad you knew what I was talking about uh, for the scoreboard. Great on the diamond head side. That was yeah, awesome. I don't know when the I don't know when the the, the actual scoreboard is making the drive uh, down H uh, one, <laughs> but they'll be ready for it uh, whenever that happens. Uh, if you if you think about the corner bleachers, I, you've probably seen some of the the pictures posted on social media. Um, heck, uh, Timmy, Timmy and Sherry Chang, social media have have posted it themselves. Like some of the you know the bleachers are coming in. It's kind of very reminiscent of War Memorial here on Maui for those that are familiar um, in in how they kind of retrofitted that um, facility and, and used a lot of these metal bleachers to to kind of round out things. Um, and so. I bring it up because there had been so much conceptual talk, right? And and this is something that I think David Matlin has deserved a lot of credit for uh, in terms of getting the ball rolling on Ching, finding a way to make some lemonade out of the uh, lack of stadium availability there at the old Aloha Stadium just a couple of seasons ago. And and now um, we are, it's, it's different when you actually see like construction going on, right? When you see like, like cranes and and tractors and bleachers being moved in, like it's there's a different feeling than when they just talk about it. And I get it; it, it the talking about it is necessitated or or is necessary to get to this point. Um, not not trying to uh, criticize the administration or anything there. I think again, this is something they deserve a lot of credit for. But it's a little different when you see you know the ground being torn up a little bit, some bleachers being moved in. It's like wow, this is this is actually happening. Uh, and I think is uh, create a little buzz, a little excitement now that we head into summer. And obviously, campus is a little more empty. Yeah, I think it's uh, just kind of par for the course here in Hawaii, where there's so much talk and little to show for it. Um, that's just kind of the way it goes with any kind of big project. Um, so it's definitely exciting. The um, unique thing here is, um, hey guys, we've got a we've got a time frame to work under like we Stanford's <laughs> coming here in just a couple of months. Let's uh, let's get after it boys. So to me that though it's exciting, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, are they going to, are they going to get all this done in time? Cause uh, um, if road construction is any, um, any insight to what this project's going to look like that there, there's a lot of standing around. So I, I, I hope that, um, they get what they're supposed to get done in time. Um, and again, Jordan, I, I can't help but wonder, this is my crazy uh, hopeful brain as a, as a former, uh, as a former player. I would love if they put a section of bleachers kind of up in the crow's nest of the parking structure, um, like the, the top level where they have all of that, um, that field of, of solar uh, going on up there. I would love just one row of like, I don't know, 10, you know, 10 rows of, uh, of seats up there where 
you could go and it'd be a phenomenal view of the field from up there. And uh, you could get away with a few hundred extra seats with, uh, without uh, creating um, uh, too, too much. To me, that sounds like uh, uh, a walk in the park, but uh, maybe that's why I'm not in charge. Yeah. It's like uh, the, the, uh, the rooftops uh, across the street at Wrigley. Uh, that's exactly creative. Right. We can get, why not get creative um make it make it fun i i'm big on uh i'm like a sucker for taking spaces that aren't meant to be something and turning them into something else uh whether they be rooftop bleachers uh i like quirky elements like the the green monster at at fenway you know like like different things like that like it, it's just i i don't know I, i'm a sucker for some of those kind of things uh and so i'm 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 on board i uh sign me up i'd go watch a game from up there uh, if if you had that going, that'd be pretty darn cool um, if they could get that going. And so obviously this ties a little bit into to Craig Angelus, right? Because of the um, one of the big things that was listed on his resume, um, not necessarily by him, but by those following the story is the fact that he got that stadium built at FAU. And obviously it was done for much cheaper than anything he can do here in Hawaii. Uh, it was done over a decade ago. Uh, and, and the uh, financial climate is different materials costs, you know, uh, I'm going to imagine a bit more um, as things go. But uh, he did kind of mention in, in some of his uh, conversations with the media, you know, it's like, hey, if it, if it is going to be about five years, which is what they're telling us at this point, before we can get uh, new Aloha Stadium going, um, you know, he he talked about building out ching as best as they can and so it sounds like he is very willing and open to kind of take that baton from david matlin and continue to improve ching beyond what we're just going to see and what is already in the works um which i think at this point like you might as well because <laughs> yeah. uh five years might be optimistic i'm just you know we, we've 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 talked about it at length and uh kind of until we've keeled over at times uh, both you and I, and I think the general public at large. But uh, so I, I, I'm encouraged by that. I think they might as well. They might as well keep going. And and I'm uh, again uh, excited to see what they can they can pull out of the out of their hat to to keep on adding to Ching and, and creating a better game day atmosphere down there. Yeah, it, it's going to be exciting because it's an ongoing process. I, I think they are going to be forced to kind of. Um, keep the construction unfinished because uh, until we hit that necessary, um, I think it was a median uh, fan total of 15,000. That's division one standard right there. So we've got, we've got some work to do to create an environment that that is our, um, our standard attendance uh, metric. So we've, uh, I think we're going to be seeing, just little improvements to Ching probably as we are waiting for Aloha Stadium. It's it's probably going to be increased every single year. So um, it's definitely going to look different. Uh, but uh, in some ways, that's exciting and uh, uh, keeps us on the, on our toes for sure, Jordan. Friday, uh, September 1st, uh, that's, uh, that's when they play the first game there against Stanford. So, uh, you know. TikTok as the uh, as the clock goes, but uh, there is some some really good uh, things happening down there. You can see it kind of taking shape, which is really cool um, at uh, at the Ching Complex. And then, of course, this this doesn't even include what they're going to do uh, just across the uh, the street there for 
uh, tracking soccer uh, as well, which I think, uh, you know, obviously boy football now, but keen interest in the other programs. I think that'll be pretty darn exciting uh, for those two programs as well, especially track, you know, because they've been completely displaced yeah. by, this, by this whole this whole endeavor uh, going forward. All right, uh, wrapping things up here, a uh, quick little two-minute drill uh on the overtime to uh to wrap things up uh jordan murray making it through rookie minicamp with the texans shining signing as an undrafted free agent still long ways obviously for making uh making it through all of the cuts leading up to the nfl season but uh that is one box checked off one uh one check mark uh check mark added uh to jordan murray who continues on his football journey that's uh you know a lot of guys man that rookie minicamp that's it like that's that's the extent of their time in the league, uh, and to make it beyond that, that's that's a good sign for sure. The dream's still alive. Uh, keep going, my man. I I'm excited for him, and uh, I'm pretty sure we talked about Jordan Murray with the Eagles, right, Jordan? Wasn't he wasn't he at the uh, the Eagles rookie mini camp and then jumped over to the Texans? I thought he was with the Eagles. Yeah, I'll double check on that. Yeah, and which which happens, right? Uh, a lot of these guys. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, Eagles rookie minicamp, yeah, uh, is what uh, is what we had. So yeah, I, I think uh, you know it, it's it's a good sign that that he's um, been able to to latch on with another another program. It, it might have it must have gone well enough uh, for with the Eagles that uh, you know he's he's been desired elsewhere. Yeah, the the eye test was good enough to uh, jump teams. So uh, good for him. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, uh, you know, we'll be keeping an eye on uh, a lot of these guys. The CFL season's not that far off. Uh, and we know we got a lot of guys north of the border getting ready uh, for that season. Well, we'll keep an eye on it uh, going throughout. One other uh, UH-related note, not football uh, specific, but uh, Andre Iligan, the uh, Farrington graduate tennis player, is having like the best season in UH tennis history. Um, he has qualified for the round of 16 at the NCAA championships. The first guy to ever win a match, uh, in that tournament, or at least advance, uh, out of the round of 64, uh, by making it to the sweet 16, he has, uh, become an all American, uh, which is just incredible, uh, for like an undersized Southpaw. Um, and, uh, it's just good vibes for the university of Hawaii athletic program. Uh, he was supposed to start about 6 a.m. Hawaii time, which is uh, now about an hour and a half ago. His match was delayed due to some earlier action. I think they're playing in Florida at like the USTA uh, facilities. Uh, and at last check, this is about 7.30 in the morning, Hawaii time, uh, they're starting to warm up. Uh, so by the time you, you listen to this pod, we'll know whether or not he's on to the final eight, which is incredible. Uh, so uh, kudos to Andre. What a, what a career he's had and, and capping it off in style. And, uh, you know, just more proof, man, the local boys, whether it's football, whether it's tennis. Uh, it's not a bad place to be if you're going to stay home. Also, he's uh, he's not a big dude, Jordan. Uh, normally, tennis has kind of taken on the the shape, if you will, of the taller you are, the longer you are, the the more advantage you have with hitting really, really hard and spinning serves. And so, to to see just a kind of a normal local boy making it into the sweet 16 of uh, the national tournament that is uh that's a testament to the ability of this guy but also this guy's heart and uh yeah this is th this is fun and 
too bad tennis doesn't always get the same level of uh, notoriety as some of the other sports because this is a big deal anytime you compete at the national landscape. Yeah, it really is. And again, any any good any good positive momentum for the athletics department, man, that uh, that can translate sometimes. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, pretty cool, pretty cool to see. And we'll be we'll be hoping maybe maybe he's still going by the time this podcast comes out um, tomorrow. Uh, that'll do it for us. Big thanks to Spectrum Mobile and Hawaii USAF Federal Credit Union as well. Uh, big thanks to Hunter and our guy, Jonathan, uh, for keeping us on track, as always. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk uh, a bit more about uh, kind of the off-season happenings. We'll know, I don't know if we'll know by next week, but I think at least within the next couple of weeks, we should probably know which games have been picked up by national television for the University of Hawaii. Um, and which games will uh, will be on the usual spectrum coverage here locally. Uh, that's something to look forward to. I, I'm kind of curious if maybe it's more than the four games picked up last season, right? Uh, if you go back to 2021, they, they had like six games, I think it was on national television. Um, so we'll see if if there's maybe some interest with some of the marquee matchups for Hawaii um, coming up this year. Something to look forward to there. All right, that'll do it for us. We'll see you next week right back here on Hawaii Football Now. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Hawaii Football Now with Jordan Halley and Hunter Hughes, all from ESPN Honolulu.